Hello, football thinking fans. Welcome to the Total Football Analysis Champions League and Europa League podcast. We have reached the final act of these strange editions of the European competitions. Our team is eager to discuss all that happened in the semifinals, as well as preview the two highly anticipated finals. I am your host, Daniele Prok, and I'm joined by professional footballer Alex Conzia. What's up, Alex? How's it going, Daniele? Doing pretty good. Also joined by EPL podcast host Chris Mumford. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm doing fine. And I'm also joined by football analyst Scott Martin. What's up, Scott? Hey, Danielle. Doing well. How about you, buddy? Doing fine. Last year, we had an English team winning the Champions League, Liverpool, and an English team winning the Europa League, Chelsea. This year, there is no English team featuring in either European competition. Instead, the Champions League final will be a matter of France versus Germany with PSG battling FC Bayern. And the Europa League final will see Italy against Spain with a Serie A side Inter facing La Liga team Sevilla. So guys, should we make anything uh, out of the fact that the two finals feature four teams from four different countries? Or is it just coincidence that it happened to be this way this year? I'm getting tired of hearing that the English Premier League is a farmer's league, so no more <laughs> of those sort of jokes, please. Um, it's a small data set, right? You got four, Last year, we had four, uh, four English teams. Uh, so I, just, I think it's small. I think, as we, we all know, uh, football can be a very cruel game, and the ball bounces uh, the wrong way, and it, everything changes. You're taking that little personal, huh, Chris, that there's no Premier League teams. <laughs> In the finals. Next year. We got it locked down next year. <laughs> let's begin with uh, the Champions League. Uh, and let's begin by previewing, actually by analyzing what happened in the semifinals. PSG beat Leipzig 3 to nothing. And let me tell you guys, we hear a lot about Bayern Munich being a very complete team, very solid offensively and defensively. But I would argue that PSG have shown to be more solid from a defensive standpoint, both in the games against Atalanta, when they really considered only the, um, the chance that uh, produced the goal by Pasalic, and in the game against Leipzig when they kept a clean sheet. So, Scott, uh, what are the reasons behind PSG looking so stable, uh, so firm defensively? Well, you can definitely credit Thomas Tuchel for his his work on the rest defense at PSG. So one thing we saw, and actually that we've seen in these later stages of the Champions League, is that his construction of the, the side when they have the ball is spot on. Uh, it's just what PSG needs to to give the likes of Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria the freedom to, to be the creators that they are. So what we're seeing is that PSG will typically have their, their two center backs uh, holding that line, blocking up the middle. But in front of them, they've got their three midfielders. And, and we saw in this past matchup, uh, they were very pragmatic, tracking any runners that came into the middle. Uh, we had Marquinhos, who was just a monster in the, the central channel uh, with a lot of support in the half spaces. So that, that block of two and three just really took away any counter-attacking options for Leipzig. And then when you look higher up the pitch, that gave a little bit of freedom to those two outside backs to get higher, give the team some width. And then you had the three stars up top uh, interacting, working off of each other to break down that, that Leipzig back line. So what I 
was seeing a lot of is that Neymar and uh, Di Maria as you know, left and right center forwards. Uh, they were consistently dropping into the midfield to try and pull Leipzig's defenders out of their shape. And the moment they, they took the bait, they took uh, that space into the midfield, Mbappe was there to punish them. Uh, that guy, I mean, not only is he blazing fast, but his read of the game is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think this will be a really big test for, uh, for Bayern in the, the coming game. Because uh, he just has so many ways to beat you. So I'm curious to see what is the role of the front three. And we'll get more into that um, when we preview the, the final against Bayern Munich. But can you remind us of um, how involved in the defensive phase are Neymar, Mbappe and Di Maria? And Alex, please join in as a, as a defender yourself. Uh, tell us what you see them doing in, on those occasions. Yeah, um, so... I don't think the front three are that involved. Um, initially, they are. They they get there. They get to their spots. But I would argue that they don't get, for the majority of the time, real pressure on the ball. They do get into their spots. They sit in. But then, as Scott was saying earlier, once the ball kind of passes the midfield line, they kind of just stay up there and, um, and wait, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it really forces the opposition, if I'm a defender specifically, to think and have you know, one-up numbers. So if they have three there, I need at least four, maybe even five with a defensive midfielder in that area. And that actually does not allow my team, if I'm the opposition, to have as, as, as many numbers going forward to be a threat to PSG. So I think Tuchel, again, does have his tactics pretty, pretty well off. We'll see how that works against Bayern and how they, how they press the Champions League final, we have to remember. So don't be surprised to see Mbappe and Neymar really tracking hard, even Di Maria as well. But I can also see them kind of playing, uh, okay, you know, if you want to go bomb up the field with Davies, with Kimmich, and leave us 1v1 at the back, we're going to expose you. So that's going to be something very interesting um, in, in that game that I'm looking forward to seeing. And was, uh, was PSG just too much for Leipzig, guys? Or uh, was there something that the, the German team could have done to bring more offensive threats to, uh, to Paris' goal? You know, interestingly enough, I think it was that PSG counterpress that actually did Leipzig in. Uh, so, you know, like Alex was saying... Uh, it is a little more presence than pressure from the three up top. But, I mean, if they're going to do the running in the immediate aftermath of a turnover, that's, especially with their pace, that's really tough to play out of, especially when you do have a very hardworking midfield uh, with Marquinhos essentially eliminating those targets in the middle of the pitch. So, you know, I... It, It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, though. Yeah, I think this will be a slightly different approach from Tuchel in the, the final, but at least in terms of the semifinal match, uh, just PSG just choked out every outlet uh, Leipzig had. And for a team that played so well against Atletico Madrid in the, the quarterfinal, I, I was shocked that uh, Leipzig really could not find a way out of that pressure. I really like how you frame that, Scott. I mean, when you have that sort of speed, uh, the kind of 
jogging right along at a decent pace and then lulling the defense into thinking, okay, I've got three-tenths of a second. But then when they hit that extra gear, all of a sudden they're right on top of you. And, you know, the the giveaways that were inevitably created by that from kind of the positioning and then sudden jump on the pressure, I just wonder if, and we'll get into this later, but if Byron is going to have that sort of, uh, they, they've got speed to counter that. And, um, you know, Lights, Big Bird, I, I, thought, I thought they had an awesome season, right? 11 years they've only been in, in existence and they're in the semifinals. That's crazy, right? But, you know, they, were, they just played against the talent pool is just insane. So I, I'd hold my head up. Uh, really high if uh, and I, I imagine they are but speed like that is just so awesome to have and smart speed is even better and both those guys have wisened up and know how to use it why you use it realizing that they don't have a a unlimited gas tank of that I was particularly impressed with the performance too of Thiago Silva Kim Bampe I know we've mentioned Marquinhos as well and obviously the goal he scores is exceptional what a ball from Di Maria and then the header it's just perfect timing quite difficult to defend against but that changes the game completely as well Marquinhos's energy and that connection he had with the two center backs I thought was was excellent the way they were moving their feet the way that you would see Kimbempe's focus on every single play I felt like that was pretty contagious and you can just see how dialed in he is with with his awareness of, of guys around him, with the intensity of their um, their tackling and the way they covered each other, I thought was particularly impressive. And, you know, I don't think that has always been the case for this PSG team. It's always been they're just a team of stars and they're not known for their defense. Oh, they're always vulnerable defensively. But, you know, in the last couple of games, I, I would argue that they've been pretty solid on defense. And when you add in Verratti to this team, I guess I, I'm not sure who makes way. Maybe it's Herrera, maybe it's Paredes, but um, but it's solid. And I, I thought that was a quality performance overall from the center part of that defensive side of PSG. And that got them the result as well. That's a good I, question. Who would you sub off for Verratti? Because he brings in a specific type of game you know he likes the ball he's very good at dealing with it and uh he has good short passes and long passes who would you personally take off for him Paredes personally I would take off Paredes he's a guy who wants the ball to feed all the time Verratti's the same type of player um and against the Bayern team I think Verratti does give you more defensively as well but he still contributes offensively I, th- I would argue close to as much as Paredes does I don't think offensively you need that much more firepower anyways when you have the front three that they have. I think you need to think more about the defensive side of it and the influence that Verratti has overall. Before Verratti was out, he was playing exceptionally well as well. So I think he'll have no problem contributing offensively. So for me, it's probably this out. Can I, can I give a shout-out to Sergio Rico, uh, yeah. the, uh, the backup keeper? I mean, I, I think my sense was defen- the defense had – plenty of confidence in him uh and given the fact that he basically came up through the Sevilla system uh prototypical six foot four keeper you know he hasn't even broken in his goalkeeper gloves this season because he's only had nine appearances right so you know 
that's going to be an interesting storyline. Uh, novice with the the hamstring injury, he says he's going to be ready for the championship. And it's like, I imagine he still has flashbacks with Real Madrid, and he really, really wants to be out there. But pulled hammies and goalkeeping are not a good combination. So um, <laughs> I'm curious because you know Rico uh, started Sevilla. He spent some time in in Fulham, right? This last season and. And he's he's been riding the pine in PSG, and and all of a sudden he gets called out for the semifinals. It's crazy. Yeah, swapping out the Europa League final for the Champions League final. That's a nice trade. <laughs> nice trade if you can get it. Not too bad, Chris. I wanted to go back to the fact that uh, Leipzig are to praise because they had a uh, definitely a great season. At the same time, though, in the game against PSG, I feel like they gave up on their blue collar mentality. In that, when you are inferior from a quality standpoint you have to be <coughs> very attentive and precise defensively and if we analyze the three goals one of them was uh, a free kick on which honestly the the line slept on uh, on uh, on that service from uh, i think it was di maria the second goal i don't know they played with fire a little bit with the keeper trying to find uh campbell the pass was intercepted and then uh, the magic of the front three did the rest. And then the last game, uh, sorry, the last goal with the, um, the center back clearing the ball, but then staying on the ground and keeping uh, Bernard on side. So I do think that they were responsible for their own loss, despite having a great season. But, you know, when you are um, inferior, when you have less quality, you slip one time and, and you get punished. Would you agree with that? Well, I didn't want to get into this, but, you know, that first goal, uh, in my mind, and again, if it, were, if it weren't a, one of my keepers, I would say that is completely unacceptable. You know, if, the, if someone is heading and it's on the six-yard line on a set thing like that, at, at this level, you kind of have to go out fist to blazing, right? You, you need to be thinking – all right, am I going to be hitting? I'm probably going to be hitting this over to the far left side because it's coming in from the right side and give my time, give some time for my defense to recover. And the fact that he sat in at one or two yards, it, it changed the composition of the game, right? And that's kind of where you, where matches are, are, are lost and won. Um, you know, you got that sense of deflation. They play against big boy teams, right? They had to play against Dortmund and Bayern. So they know what that's like. I just feel like that, that, First goal just kind of snapped the back a bit, right? And then the second one is failing to recognize reality for what it is. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, PSG has got incredibly stifling uh, elements. And, hey, I want to thread my passes in like anybody else, but you don't try threading those in at 35, yard, 35 yards with the speed that you have and as brilliantly positioned as PSG was. So I do think, you, you know – the the guy on the ground, the defender on the ground in the in the bot on the far corner. I don't know if we can blame him too much for that. Um, I might I might defend Alex and and other defenders. I mean, he probably should not have lost the ball. Uh, but it's all about they're used to being able to play that way in Bundesliga. And when you play against grown up teams, you're just not going to have that much time on the ball. Mukiel did get clipped a little though. It's very subtle. Um, but yeah, he did like get his, his back heels clipped. I, I don't know if it's enough for a foul. Yeah. I, I just like, I prefer to see my defenders just pass the ball out of bounds and then 
Wow. Reset, right? Were you guys surprised that uh, Leipzig did not start Tyler Adams or even Forsberg? Not necessarily. Um, Adams, in particular, hasn't received a whole lot of starts this year. Uh, that, I think, does come number of injuries he has sustained over the season. So that didn't surprise me. Um, it would have been good to see Falsberg at the start, uh, maybe be a little more proactive in the attack. Right. You, you did see early on after they, they really had issues breaking down PSG. So it seemed like a, a break from their identity. And when that happened, you just got the sense that PSG was going to see this game out pretty easily. Yeah, in the other semifinal, Bayern uh, beat three to nothing Olympique Lyonnais, but the Bayern Munich defense looked vulnerable, especially in the first half. The French side had a couple of good chances on uh, on which uh, Neuer did a great job, in my opinion. Um, so, guys, we we hear about Bayern Munich being a goal scoring machine, but I feel like there are chances for PSG to exploit that backline and uh, how would that happen in the Champions League final, which will be played on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Everything leading up to the Nabry goal was a blueprint, how to play against Bayern 101. This Bayern, that Bayern that's coming off absolutely destroying my favorite club, FC Barcelona, in and out, like take it, ripping their heart out, eating it to the point where Messi is potentially leaving. But anyways, how you play against Bayern, in my opinion, when you don't have the same quality, if you have the quality of Lyon, is exactly how you play, how Lyon played against them in the first, what, 17 minutes before that Nabry piece of brilliance. Because arguably they could be up two or three goals. It was a pretty simple counter, to be quite honest, on a few of them straight win the ball back in a lower block and as soon as they win it back straight runs straight through the middle of the Bayern center backs which was pretty surprising to see at times and then there'd be I think it was Depay on the first yeah the Memphis was on the first the first one where I think Neuer did a good job Chris on that one people say that Memphis should have scored but I think Neuer moved his feet well moved his hands well to cut off the angle um but then there's another one, I forgot um, which player exactly, where he kind of chops it up, hits it with his left foot. That should be a goal as well. Hit the post. After, after the Nabry goal, it was game over. And I personally am a big Nabry fan as of late. I didn't rate him. We all know the stories about his time at West Brom. And then he comes out. You look at the intensity that he brings to this match. And not only on the offensive side, but on the defensive side. The goal that he scores, he's actually the one who comes off the blind side and takes the ball and starts everything off, dribbles on the inside. He's so good with both feet. And then he himself, in my opinion, changed the game. Because without that goal, I thought Lyon was going to score. Yeah, I'd second that. I mean, that's, that's a messy run and goal right there. I mean, he does that 10 times. Maybe he gets makes it two. I mean, it, it, he, he got through four players more or less. And mind you, I thought defensively it was a little sloppy and gave him a little bit too much space. But I don't think anybody thought he was going to freaking go for it. Um, and, uh, and, 
you know, he's he's not going to get a free look like that from Bayern Munich now that he's been scouted for this. Uh, but I do think that was such an important um, turning point for the game because I think Leon, the way I counted it, uh, they had five legit opportunities to score on the counters, and it didn't happen. And it sucks, but you know, again, that's how, get, football is a cruel game that way. And Chris, even in the second half, when the score was two to zero, there was a great chance by uh, Dembele, and uh, Neuer saved it with his with his leg. Yeah. I think that could have. I mean, that would have definitely brought the game back to life uh, if he had scored that. Um, so Neuer uh, proved definitely decisive in this game. Uh, how did you like that? That kind of save with him coming out big, and then obviously as a as a German keeper extending his leg to deflect the ball. Well, I think <coughs> I, I don't care if you're big or or small in stature. You have to come in, in those situations. As much as I like the old school of coming out and taking out the uh, the striker's legs, um, so he, he would eat dirt. Um, that that's not as effective, right? So I, I think that. Neuer clearly has his mojo back, right? And it could be that that, that signing of the other keeper kind of helped him get focused and, and clear on things. But I, I just, he's got his mojo. Um, I love the way, the confidence he is outside of the box right now. I think defensively they've got a swagger because of that. Uh, but I think he was the poster child for what you should be doing on uh, breakaways from inside between the sticks, how you should stay big while he's at, he would that there's that one time he kind of sat in on the post when it was a lower angle and he was able to get a deflection. So he's, he's got that dialed in. And um, I think, I think PSG is going to have to do something really special to, to, uh, to get it past the mojo of, of Neuer right now. They're also going to have to do something very special about Robert Lewandowski nine goals in 15 appearances he has a scoring frequency of one goal every 53 minutes in champions league this year and he's only two goals away from cristiano ronaldo's record of 17 goals in uh, in a single champions league edition and ronaldo were was able to play more games this is a weird year he's playing fewer games and he can beat that record if he scores he can equalize that with a brace in the final i don't know that's insane how do you mark someone like that? Like, look, just look at the third goal. He was just dominant in the air when Kimi clipped the ball in. Um, he made uh, a sprint towards it, but he was really kind of, they made a sandwich around him and he was still able to elevate himself and put power on the ball to score the third goal. This guy is the ultimate uh, predator and I'd argue that he's the best striker in the world right now. I make a case for Benzema as well, but I think this guy is even more dangerous. Uh, to mark him, You, this guy is also capable left foot, right foot, long distance, in the air. He has some pace about him. He's very technically very gifted as well, but he also combines very well. He's, able to, he's so intelligent about his movements and his runs the box as Daniele. I'm sure you you know better than I do. Like the runs he makes is so smart. They're like this well-oiled machine where they know exactly where he's going to be and they, he knows exactly where the balls are going to be as well. So stopping him is the, in my opinion, single greatest challenge for PSG. 
And if they're capable of doing that, I think they have a real chance because, again, him, best striker in the world, and I'd argue also for my Canadian boy, Alfonso Davies, best left back in the world right now. First <laughs> Canadian ever to be in the Champions League final. So he's, he's killing it. Shout and out. You've got to be able to stop him as well. You know, one of the, the crazy stats from Bayern Munich's Champions League run is that they're averaging 4.2 goals per game. Wow. <laughs> that's off of 2.94 XG. So, like, a good XG is, like, 1.3. That, that's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> More than doubling that. Barca game helped. Uh, definitely. <laughs> but, I mean, interestingly enough, uh, when you look at their their knockout stage games, their XGs against Pieter, or Chelsea were 2.79, 3.01. Barca was 4.66. And Leon was 3.35. So, I mean, they're just creating so many high-quality opportunities. Well, I will tell you that, can we argue that PSG had, a, had a, an easy schedule to get to the finals? Uh, Chelsea, which had 54 goals uh, scored against it. I mean, uh, Barca, I don't know how to explain the math, the math on that. I'm still- oh, you mean Bayern. You mean Bayern's schedule. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to say Bayern's schedule. Um, because Chelsea's defense has been completely suspect with center backs and, and goalkeepers. Uh, and then the Barca thing, I, I, I'm to this day, I, I can't explain it at all. That's, that's an alternate parallel evil universe, I think. Uh, that is a whole other episode <laughs> that we need to use just for all the analysis of that one specific game. But, but it seems to me that PSG and Bayern didn't have enormous challenges to kind of get, get through what they had to, and largely because Bars, the, the other teams – you know, Real Madrid, and I guess Leon was was the giant killer um, this uh, this year. Uh, so, any any thoughts on that? I mean, PSG cut it pretty close both against Dortmund and Atalanta. So, I mean, they've and it, it almost seems like they've just realized that there was that moment of desperation, and they had to start playing. <laughs> they, they could just shift to another gear with all that individual ability that you know few teams around the world can match mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i think leipzig was probably a better matchup for them than atletico madrid uh if they pl- end up playing atletico in the semifinal, i think Simeone will of course have them sit back to deny space to mbappe and neymar and and you know they have to find a different way to get around um but i think there there was a little bit more space for psg uh in this this semifinal match against leipzig um, and, you know, they'll probably have even more space against Bayern. Um, I mean, this, this tactical battle is really fascinating. I think b- both teams really enjoy playing possession the ball. They will consistently create opportunities, but I don't see them having the, uh, the reserves to protect against Mbappe speed and ne- Neymar's 1v1 ability uh, is to defend. If they stay high, they, who does Bayern keep back? And Scott, you mentioned... Um, Mbappe, Neymar, we just praise Lewandowski. They're definitely among the players that are currently pissed off about the fact that uh, the Ballon d'Or will not be assigned this year. Um, so let's get into a tactical preview of PSG against Bayern Munich. And uh, I've heard a lot about 
the fact that Bayern Munich may switch their defensive approach against PSG because, you know, they've played with a high line and uh, I've heard people saying, well, you, you can't really afford doing that against fast players like Mbappe, Neymar and Di Maria. But you know what? I would argue that you don't change a team's identity in the last game of the season. What do you guys think? I don't know about um, the same high line that you would play against a Lyon, for example. You know, this is a team where you have to give them respect. I don't think the adjustment is as big as you, you're saying it is. I think the they don't have to necessarily play that high of a line. I think they're going to be very capable of getting all their players behind the ball together. And yeah, if they do have a higher line at times, I really believe in Davies and Kimmich's ability to cover the center backs there. And then Alaba and Boateng's ability, if it is Boateng, you know, hopefully for PSG's sake, it's not Boateng, their ability to cover the outside backs as well. I think the recovery speed of each one, not as much Kimmich, but Kimmich is, in my opinion, smarter. Their ability to track back and get in good spots and get behind the ball is very efficient. And that can, you know, that's not, cannot be underrated, even against the Neymar and Mbappe um, quality or Di Maria level of quality. It will be interesting, though, to see if they bring more numbers back, whether it's Thiago sitting even deeper because they're a little bit more scared of or aware. I don't know about scared. I don't really think these guys are scared at Bayern Munich. Whether they're more aware of the threat that PSG poses up top, which I'm sure they will be, but if they can cut off the outlet pass into Neymar, into Mbappe, then I think that'll be super efficient. But then again, if you go too hard on the step, that's when players like especially Mbappe recognize that so well and they just spin you. And then the PSG midfielders have the quality of faking an entry ball and then so the center back or the fullback oversteps and then just spinning it into space. And that's where the PSG could absolutely destroy them. So, I mean, when you look at this matchup, everything we've said about PSG is that they really dominate the middle of the pitch. So from Bayern's perspective, you know, if I'm, like, I'm probably trying to keep the ball out of the, the middle of the pitch, even though you know, I do think Bayern does have the advantage there. Um, I think their attacking quality could see them through, but I think they do prioritize the attack in the wings. And, you know, maybe the simple adjustment is instead of sending Davies and Kimmich flying high up the pitch or starting at a higher position, maybe they're a little bit more conservative with their starting positions and then look to go higher up the pitch as the opportunity presents itself. And then, you know, there is that balance. So one goes up, one drops a little deeper, pinches inside. So, you know, maybe that's how they, how they balance it out. But I'm also really interested to see, you know, if they do prioritize the middle, can they pull PSG's midfield higher up the pitch, disconnect them from the back line, and then create that space between the lines for Mueller to run into? Right. So I think that's, that could really be a key to the game. Uh, if, Great point. If the midfield for Bayern can really dominate this match, Mueller can have a field day. You know, my, my sense is, and Alex, I, I'd love to hear your view on this. I mean, you've got some very experienced central defenders, and they're going to manage that back line exquisitely. And 
I imagine they're going to push up as high as they can and then, and then pull back a little bit and, and push and pull and just try to change, try to try as much as you can to try to get in head of the, the strikers where they have to be looking over their shoulders to make sure they're on things. I think that's all you really can do, right? You don't have a Alfonso Davies sitting on the bench to bail you out and you've got to try more or less every dirty trick you can and a, 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 night, a few little love taps and make sure they know you're there. Uh, you know, try to get them to move in directions they don't necessarily want to. Though <laughs> It seems like both those guys can go any way they want. I just think that's going to be kind of what the MO is going to be. What I'm going to be struck by is I do think that Byron's midfield is going to dominate. Um, I shouldn't say dominate, will predominate, I should say. And I'm going to be really curious, you know, having that much speed up top. I, I know Navas and uh, Mbappe and, and um, Neymar have have a, let's call it a, a working passing relationship in terms of some long, long balls to open up things. But if Byron's pushing up pretty high, I just don't know if, if Rico, with only nine appearances under his pitch, I wonder if there are a few long balls just to kind of test things out and, and just see what that sixth gear is with that speed. I wonder if those are going to be some decisive actions because they're going to need to do a few of those to open up that midfield, given how stifling Byron's midfield is. I agree. I agree. I think um, I do, however, think some of those longer through balls will come from PSG's midfield early on just to test Byron's back line and say, listen, you want to play higher? You better be ready to run in behind all night. And this is a Champions League final, so you can't mess it up once. So that's going to cause that back line of Byron to drop off a little bit, in my opinion. And like, like Scott and yourself were saying, that opens up another even more space underneath. And that's what Neymar essentially wants. Neymar wants the ball to feed in this PSG team. On Barcelona, he was okay with Messi dropping, and then he would run down the left-handed side and create that space or create that run deep. But there's a couple keys to this game that I'd like to mention as well. One is the right back for PSG. Theo Kehrer, I think his performance is going to be crucial to PSG doing well in this game because Bar or excuse me, Bayern Munich do have a lot of success down that left-hand side. But of course, if it's Alfonso Davies, um, but also whether it's, I don't think Coman will start, whether it's uh, Perisic as well. They have a lot of success on that line. So he has to be solid defensively. In my opinion, he's not the best going forward as well. So I think he will just predominantly just be focused on playing very simply, just getting the job done defensively. Another side of it will be how Bayern treats Neymar. Is Neymar going to drop into the middle of the field? And whether they can really get – if you look at the games where Neymar plays very poorly, it's the ones where he gets very frustrated, where he gets fouled a lot, where he thinks the ref's against him. He's a very emotional player when things are not going his way, which they could easily – that could easily happen in this type of game. That's when PSG, in my opinion, is, is it's done. That's when Byron can take over a quick one-two and the game is set. So if, if they can deal with Neymar, I don't know how exactly they do that. If they can just deal with him early on and get in his head, I think that causes a lot of frustration in this PSG squad, and that seeps through the entire team. Because in my opinion, I see it as this very disciplined Bayern squad that's very capable of, of being creative against the master creators and the 
the very emotional side of PSG that can, the artistic side, if you, you know, if you know what I mean. That's how I see this clash going, which is why it could be so beautiful for, for either side or for, even for someone who's not really cheering for either team like myself. And I would add that Neymar is less effective when he wastes his, his energies in his own half. You know, sometimes uh, it wasn't the first minutes of the game against Leipzig that he dropped in his own half and he started to cut in and, in and out of the, just to get away from the pressure of the Leipzig midfielders. And all he had to do was just lay off the ball. I understand on one hand that um, makes him feel you know, more confident, makes him feel like he's, he's in the, the opponent's head, he's better than them. But on the other hand, you know, cutting takes off energy of, um, from him. So doing that against Bayern Munich, I think it's not the way because PSG is going to need a Neymar for 90 minutes because it's going to be a close game no matter what. Uh, but then again, uh, he is Neymar. Uh, he's, he thinks better and faster than all of us. So uh, I trust him that he's going he's gonna to have a, a great performance. But you know what? He has to clean up his, his finishing, doesn't he? He does. He does. But he, he did have, I was going to mention, remember that one free kick he tried near post, Chris? Oof. Against uh, Leipzig where he just caught it off the post and he whipped it. That's the type of play that can just change the game. He's so creative. He just sees these things that other players don't. He sees he goes into the direction of the pressure, and that causes like a whole different opportunity for the players around him to for, to run into different spaces. So, you said yeah. right, if you look at players like him and Messi, when they start to dribble, you would think that they go towards the vacant spaces because that's where it makes the most sense. Instead, these guys they it looks like they're they look to get into trouble because they go into areas that are crowded and somehow they come out of it victorious because they dribble, they win a foul, or they open up spaces for, the, for their teammates. And that's what, what makes them great. Great at pitting defenders. Uh, and I, I think that will really be a key in this match. Um, you know, does Kimmich uh, to basically man-mark Neymar out of the game? Uh, you know, does Goretzka get higher uh, and participate in the attack and lately, or does he stay a little further back off of coverage and then maybe, uh, you know, rotate some fouls with, uh, with Kimmich? So I think Byron's fouls, especially on Neymar, um, they can work to frustrate him. But then, you know, also I, I think they, they will look to foul a little more often in this match just to make sure that PSG really can't use the counterattack. Speaking of Goretzka, what has this guy been doing in the gym? To be as pumped up and jacked up as he is. If you look at him when he first signed for Bayern, how slim he is versus now. Quarantine did him well. I don't know what he's been doing. Never left the job. Uh, this guy's going to eat Neymar for breakfast or not. Not. <laughs> he's too slow now. He can't move. He's so jacked. Have you seen his biceps? My goodness. But he's, he's so pretty mobile. Well. Like He gets he's in the box. Well. He makes those runs in the box. He's, he's a threat. You see, uh, he likes to combine, use Lewandowski as a pivot and then just go straight uh, into the box. So he's dangerous. And, and now he's big, so he's also scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sauerkraut and bratwurst. Diet is what it is. Oktoberfest hasn't come up yet. It's uh, in about a month. So uh, we'll see how, how he is after that. 
The Europa League final between uh, uh, Sevilla and Inter will be played August 21st on, on Friday. Let's look at what happened in the semifinals. Sevilla beat Manchester United 2-1. Despite Menu having a lot of chances, they finished the game with 20 shots. So, guys, what was it? Uh, Sevilla are just too experienced. You know, they've been in, uh, they've won the Europa League three times in the past six years. Is that was that the key for them to you know survive that game and uh, uh, reaching the final? Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I mean, this is their tournament. I mean, they're the Real Madrid of the Europa League. They've won it five times overall, more than any other team. But, I mean, Man U just really did not take their chances. And if we really want to get into it, uh, and Alex, feel free to just rip those guys a new one. How awful was the defending on those two Sevilla goals? Yeah. I mean, Harry Maguire's looking for his Lindelof never makes any kind of contact on the second goal, and then he's just shocked at the forwards right behind. Right. Just shocking defending. And then they don't finish their chances at the other end. Yeah, that, that was the story for myself as well. Um, Fernandez penalty, okay. Things are going well. They're getting their chances. They're not putting it away at all. And, you, again, you mentioned how many shots, 20 or something. Like, it was ridiculous the amount they created. They should have put this game to bed. And it's just like you said, I thought the defending was so bad. It's your chance to go into a Europa League final here. Juan Bisaka's tracking back on the first goal was so half-hearted. It was ridiculous. This guy can track back. Even if he's halfway up the field, he could still make it back. That's how good his recovery pace is. And you're telling me he's right next to, I forgot which player exactly, and he can't make a hard run back into his position and just cut out the simple through ball for the cross for Suso? Come on, like that's not good enough. And what's even worse is the way they, they lost the game. I give a ton of credit, though. Um, this wasn't a great example of how to block shots 101. And Chris, I, I think you would agree with me. Sevilla blocking shots here was, was pretty ridiculous, especially in the second half. Like the, the commitment to just get their foot out and, and cause Man United, you know, they had some decent chances that should be going in the back of the net. They were good finishes, but there was just a guy who just got his just got his body on the line. I think there's something to be said about a Sevilla squad that's just gritty like that, and they deserve to be in the final. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Grit is, I just, you know, it's not beautiful necessarily, but it's effective when you're when you're in a semifinal. And you know, my my takes on on Man U is. You could say it's youth, so there's a degree of inconsistency. We can't slag their defense because they actually had an awesome year in the Premier League. Um, I think they were third third best rated defense uh, in terms of goals. Um, so I don't think that's it. I think from a finishing perspective, you could say they hit a bad run, right? Uh, and it's just probabilities and all that sort of stuff. Or that uh, the whole... F- finishing piece it just there was a looseness that just couldn't be and I think it's probably a combination of both they certainly wanted it but man to me it seems like I don't care about tactics you know I care about player profiles but if it's a one-off game freaking whoever wants it more tends to win the games I don't think Pogba was as influential as um, they'd hoped he'd be as well 
but in my opinion that didn't that wasn't the real difference in the game because they were still able to create so many chances as we've as we've said mm-hmm. you would like to to see him perform better and step up and be more of a leader in this in this team especially when you see the way he his 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 talent his capacity to lead when you look at the France squad is exceptional when he can when he mentally just decides to to do it but you don't for some reason you don't see that on the same level at man united and from in my opinion that's one of the single keys to unlocking man united's next level for in terms of their performance because like you said they did have a great year great year for man united they always they're always searching for the top but all things considered a great year considering they're still in the rebuilding phase yeah but i mean I, it's a club that wants more they're they need they need more yeah i mean i don't know these guys at all um so this is like completely outside the fishbowl but fernandez is used to being the alpha male and i think that pogba is a alpha male because he's forced to be sort of thing i just i don't I think it depends that the French national team, he just seems more, much more in place. And I I still think they're trying to figure each other out and their relationship out. Um, And, you know, in this world, you can't have two alpha males, particularly right in, in the middle of the pitch. And it just, I don't see Fernandez backing up, backing off of that. And I don't know if Pogba really wants that. So and again, I say this not knowing him from Sam, right? They are good friends, though. Um, Pogba's given a lot of credit to Fernandez when he came in. He said well, he, he deserves it. Him. That's for sure. He deserves it. Like I think this was a key to uh, to making them the level they are now. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if Fernandez commands that type of alpha male in terms of presence. I think in terms of his play, his quality, I think I agree with you. Like, yeah, I'm the guy, I'm the playmaker of this team. Like I'm the number one guy on this team. So that's where I think, I think I'm, I agree with you on that side where Pogba might not be the face of the club right now. It's actually Fernandez. Mm. I would, I would agree with that. So maybe there is an internal conflict there. We'll never know. But as well, I don't think it's a conflict. I just think that Pogba, there's some people that just like, I have to be the alpha male. And I think Pogba is just kind of, he's doing his thing. He's feeling his mojo. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, that's just DNA and neurology, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, so my, in addition to real team is sporting Portugal. So I've watched Bruno ad nauseum over the past few years. Loved his time at sporting. Um, he is that alpha leader on and off the, the pitch. Um, when he saw some sporting players not really giving a crap about how they got on their case. Um, and you can see with that second goal, he got in Lindelof's face. And he's not going to back down. You know, he's not that kind of guy. Um, so, but I do think... You know, this Manchester United side, they were really lacking that edge before he got there. So I, I do think long-term, he does help them out. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like in this game, the attack did really well. Lots of shots, high-quality opportunities too. The defense, when all is said and done, the defense did have a good game. Um, Sevilla's only had uh, nine shots for the game, three on target. Their XG was 086 
So not a ton of opportunities with the highest quality. But it's it's those mistakes that at this level, look at all three goals in the game. They were all little stupid mistakes that let the opponent score. Yeah, I, I'd also say that Sevilla, when you watch them play, you get the system, right? It's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Man, you sometimes it's it's really obvious and other times it's like okay so what's going on How, how's all this working so uh you know even though i kind of pre um podcast was slagging dogma you know I, I do think that having a clear sense of play and a clear philosophy can can carry you when you have lesser talent and as alex said earlier a freaking grit right a system and grit can get you a long way you know, I can't give a shout out, give a shout out, Scott, to Jesus Navas, you know, highest crosses in La Liga this past year, getting the assists. It's a good, it's a great cross regardless, right? Yeah. And both goals coming from those wide areas. So that's where Sevilla beats you. Jesus Navas in his, what, 37th season as a professional footballer? Probably uh, 56. <laughs> yeah, he, he's qualifying for social security, I think, in the fall. So. Yeah. Speaking of alpha males, Chris, your favorite alpha male in European football, Romelu Lukaku, he, uh, <laughs> he contributed to his side's uh, clean victory in the other Europa League semifinal as Inter beat Shakhtar 5-0. Uh, the Nerazzurri were tactically very disciplined, considered little to nothing to the Ukrainian side. They were clinical in taking advantage of a defensive mistake in the first half and then in the, sec in the second half, as Shakhtar opened up more, Inter were able to exploit the speed and strength of the striker to round up the score. And now they're facing Sevilla um, on Friday, August 21st. What should we expect from that game? Right. This is another fun one. Just This one is really about contrasting styles. You've got Inter that's very compact, um, very quick and direct when they attack. They like to hit their target players up top. Uh, going against... Sevilla side that will like to to have the ball and use the wings. So um, this is going to be a really fun matchup. I, I think we've really got a footballing treat over the next few days between the two finals. Um, you know, this this interside, when you look at that match in the semifinal against Shakhtar, those finishes were just such high-quality shots. I mean, it just goes to show this team doesn't need much to get the ball in the back of the net. I mean, I think Lukaku and Martinez both had goals from outside the box in this match. Um, I mean, just phenomenal finishing. And like, you give them any kind of space and uh, you're in trouble. But I think this is, again, where Sevilla is a very smart, systematic team. And within their system, they have, they have a lot of freedom. You know, they, they can dictate terms from within the system. Uh, that'll be key. But, uh, man, it, it's tough to look past the, the guys Inter has at the top of the formation. I thought yeah, Shakhtar was still... Conte's teams, right? Being clinical and uh, scoring on the few chances they have. Just the first goal is very illustrative of that with Barella winning the ball back, uh, dribbling on the side, and then putting a perfectly paced ball in the box on which uh, Lautaro just uh, attacked with his head and, uh, and place it in the back of the goal. Um, sorry, Alex, I cut you out. What were you saying? Oh, no worries. I was, just, I was just thinking too, like there's a reason why, I'm understanding more now why Messi wants to play with Lautaro. 
Like this guy is this guy's an animal. And with Lukaku by his side, talk about the alpha male. These guys are a dynamic duo. And personally, I think it's going to take them to the Europa League title, even though I think Sevilla is going to give them a real run for their money. Um, I thought Shakhtar was still in it in the first half, but then conceding on a set piece was that opened the floodgates for me. Um, and yeah. Then, and then Lukaku and Lotaro just they just took over. There's nothing. I don't know if there's anything else to be said. 1v1. I mean, that last goal Lukaku scores where he brings it to his right and just completely does the ice, almost like the, the basketball isolation where he says, everybody move out of the way. I'm going to take this guy and expose him for what he is. That's pretty humiliating as a defender. If he did that to me, at least I would, I would say so. I would, I would. We know that wouldn't happen to you, Alex, even if Lukaku. Oh, I would definitely. I think, you know what I would do? I think when he would start running, I would just climb on his back and like WWE would wrestle him. Well, the him. scary thing is, is he just keep jogging down the field, he I think. Jogging, yeah. But what, and it's crazy because you look at this player, what, what a talent, what a strong mindset for Belgium versus for Man U, right? For Man U wasn't great. For Belgium, he's been great. And then this is almost like a different side of him that I haven't seen yet. He's, he's almost like evolved into a new player now. Not new, but better type of player here at Inter Milan where he's really coming into like his prime, I, I think at least. I mean, you guys watch more Syria than I do. What do you think? I think that the system is perfectly situated mm-hmm. for him, right? I mean, it's a 3-5-2. Honestly, I did not like Conte at Chelsea. I was like, ah, this is dreadful, right? But it, it seems like things are just clicking. And I I actually love the defensive organization of Inter. I just think it's so well done. But Lukaku, to your point, he, weigh, he weighs 205 pounds. So, you know, the, when you see him on the screen, you're like, is this guy like a, a running back for the NFL at 235? <laughs> but somehow he's able to do it. And I can't get over the fact that his technical skills. Um, and, I, and he makes me angry that he's so skilled at that. And Andy speaks like six or seven languages. I'm like, what are the rest of us supposed to do, right, to, to kind of keep up with this guy? So I, I just feel like he's in a good mojo place. And I don't think he was in a good mojo place with Man U. And Belgium, you know, you can just tell. It, it seems like it's a, it's a party um all the time and of course it's nice having people like kdb being able to serve you right but i I just i really i i love their chances i almost wish these guys enter uh could play the winner of psg byron but maybe that'll happen next season uh so so we'll see if if they fix a piece or two the belgium Uh, national team manager roberto martinez said that lukaku is a better number nine than robert Lewandowski. he said that just a couple days ago i'm not gonna say anything please guys take it away from here i i have to disagree but i am a i am a lukaku fan he's killing it but just better than Lewandowski. come on you you need some some more consistency there um you, you need to do it at a higher level. You, you, I think it's not comparable. He's doing it on the Champions League level versus the Europa League. And Lukaku, to, sorry, but he's only been here for, what, <laughs> a couple years max, one year and a half max at Inter. 
Like there's no, in my opinion, real, real comparison. You guys can disagree with me, I'm sure, but I would take Lewandowski any day of the week. Yeah, I would too. Uh, He's just such a machine. The guy is the most clinical number nine in the world. Um, But I mean, are you saying that Martinez is a little biased? Uh, a little bit. No, so a little bit. But um, for me, yeah. the biggest thing in this matchup, uh, and this is this is where Alex says, uh, you know, six foot center back yourself. This is an absolute nightmare for us to be a center back because right. Diego Carlos is six feet tall, right. and Jules Kunde is five ten. Right. So, I mean, this is a matchup nightmare for them. So get ready for more Lukaku uh, prime time. This is where they're going to have to be very good on the ground against Lukaku because everyone talks about how good he is physically. But then, again, as Chris was saying, they forget or they're not, they don't acknowledge his, his very capable technical ability and his creative side. And that is where those center backs will have to cut that completely out so that it does become, okay, if he's going to beat us today, it's going to be only a physical uh, physical type of goal. There cannot be any chance that he out-technique, out-creates, whatever you want to say about it, us. That's the way Sevilla has to approach that. That's at least how I would start thinking about it if I was, if I was playing against him. But it's so different. I mean, you see that one video of him showing, I forgot, this Sky Sports reporter about how he turns – the defender one way or the other and just finishes and then he says it so confidently he's like if i have you like this and i have you on the side i turn you and it's finished you have no chance and he says it like so matter of fact it's just this guy is supreme level of confidence you know what language did he say that he says it in french <laughs> so i understood because i speak french well alex let me ask you so as uh, you know, a six-foot-tall center back going up against a big guy, what, what kind of instructions would you give to your holding mids to help you out? Just, I mean, in terms of denying service, I mean, that's got to be a key for Sevilla. So it's interesting. Um, in a, so let's talk about a 6v6 or 5v5 game. In a 6v6, 5v5, which me and Daniele play against each other a lot, if you have a big guy and, you know, the space is condensed, you want – somebody to collapse on him like your defensive midfielder as soon as they get the ball and receive it. Cause I'm probably behind him trying to poke it away or force him backwards. But there comes a point where that defensive midfielder needs to come and collapse. Now on a bigger level field, 11, 11 aside, it's the same principle except that defensive midfielder has a lot more to think about. He has to cover more space to come in to come and close that down. And if the striker is good, like Lukaku, his touch is not going to be bad where it goes straight back into the defensive midfield. It'll be close to him where he keeps it. And then the defensive midfielder has to also think about the runners. He can't just come straight pressing at Lukaku because Lukaku can lay it off to a third man or a second man run, and then they're going the opposite way. They've limited both of us. Again, it's very difficult. So I would say to be very technical, you'd want your defensive mid to come back press, but then the, I, as a center back, have to be very aware that if I'm going to go tight on Lukaku and the defensive midfielder is going to come press and I see another run coming straight through, I actually have to go off Lukaku and go with the runner 
and the defensive midfielder has to stay tight on Lukaku if Lukaku's back is towards the goal. But again, easier said than done. Yeah, it's a tough transition. Tough transition, yeah. yeah. Especially for you as a center back, having to start from a standstill, um, that, that immediately puts you at a disadvantage. And it depends where you are on the field, too. If he's right up against the goal, I probably wouldn't leave his back. If we're higher up the field, then I'd be willing to drop off more after he receives it because there's runners coming in. He has the quality to play a through ball. So it's it's tough with Lotado running in behind, too. It, it's, it's a tough inter-squad up top. Yeah, I'm struck by your terminologies. Sounds a lot like a, a basketball in terms of uh, guarding a power forward uh, or center. And, you know, I, I guess I did grow up in basketball country. And uh, I think what you have to do is vary your tactics a little bit, right? And overplay one side, overplay the other side, play off, play on, and hopefully just break his rhythm because he's that good. The other scouting piece I'd see on him, and, and I, I I wouldn't tell this to to my my goalkeeper unless I looked more at it. But he tends to he is freaking awesome at cutting cutting really hard. So if he's going to the right, he's probably going. I probably overplay the opposite panel because he loves uh, hitting it across. I haven't seen him do as many open foot finishes. Um, so those are probably some things that I would some tendencies that I would try to probably overplay because. The way he's hitting in the side panels now uh, on the cuts, keeper's not going to get to that. And can you imagine when Inter adds Messi? <laughs> <laughs> Messi, Lukaku, Lautaro, top. Oh, my goodness. Because you know what I was thinking is that Sevilla, they have an extra incentive to win this game because if they win this final, they're going to be playing Champions League next season, which they weren't able to do because they finished sixth in the La Liga table. No, 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 no. Oh, they are in. Yeah, they're in. Yeah. Oh, wait, they're already in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the finalists, both of them. Yeah, both are already in. So, oh. I mean, this is, yeah, there's, there's no externals that are really driving this. I mean, this is just about the title itself. Okay, right. my bad for not uh, being informed on that one. Um, well, guys, I think uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you, Scott, Chris, and Alex for your perspective. By the end of this warm weekend of August, we'll have a Champions League and Europa League winner. This could be PSG's first ever Champions League title or uh, after Bayern's sixth big year's cup. As far as Europa League titles go, it could be the fourth Europa League title in Hinter history or Sevilla's sixth. Nothing else to say, guys. Enjoy the finals. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs>